worry about what to say or how to say it. Well, he's talking to the Christian. When they arrest you because you're in love with me, they arrest you because you stand for righteousness. They arrest you because you're living a holy life. They arrest you because you go against the grain of the world. Now, eventually, we're going to see more of that, especially under the hate crime. So my insurance has gone up at the church here. But if I say the wrong thing, um, I cause somebody stress, and they can sue me because I'm talking about a gay lifestyle, homosexual lifestyle. I'm talking about not being married, and our society is going more and more for those things. And the church should be standing up against those things. So therefore, it is going to become a clash eventually. But we speak the truth of God's word. And that's what God has called us to do. And he says, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Now, is he saying that to the Christian or to the unbeliever? He's saying it to the Christian. That when you're in a difficult situation because of your faith and because of what you believe in, don't worry about the persecution. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you, per se. Have your mind and heart ready to speak what the Lord's going to give you to say. Peter says, always be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you of the hope that lieth in you. That you're ready to answer them. And he simply goes on, he says, all that time you will be given, at that time you will be given what to say. You will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit of your Father speaking through you. How do we accept that? Will God speak through me? Will God speak through you? Will God speak? The scripture says he will. That he will speak through you when those times come in which your faith is being challenged by someone else on the outside. He says basically the same thing over in Mark, but I want you to go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Go to verses 11 and 12. Look what he says. He says, when you are brought before the synagogue rulers and authorities, when you're brought before anybody with authority, and see, even in our public school, you got to be careful what you say today. Out in public, you got to be careful sometimes what you say, depending on where you're at. He says, when you are brought before the synagogue rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Who's going to teach you? The Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you what to say at that time. Now, we have to believe that somehow God will do that in our lives. Not about my age. 
It's about my sincerity of my walk with the Lord. How God will use me. See, some of us are saved because we want to be saved because we don't want to go to hell, but that's it. There are others who are saved because they really want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they really want to know him. As Paul says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, in his new life. I want to know Christ in the resurrected life that he has brought forth in me. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Through what? Salvation, through Jesus Christ. I'm no longer dead, but I am alive. And I really want to know the power of Christ in my life. And as, and as we started this series, remember, we went through how the Holy Spirit, how Christ had to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You and I have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot we can do in our own power and intellect. But surrender that to the Lord Jesus Christ and it will be surprising what will blossom in your life. It will go much further. Much, much further. And he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, run all the way over to Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4 with me. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. And look what the Lord does. Now I want you to ask again, is he speaking to those who know him? To the believer? Or is this just general out here for everybody? It's for those who know him. How many of you uh, during school run two doors down and wake up the neighbor's kids so they can get to work on time? Or to school on time? You only take care of what? Your household. God is first responsible for his household. For his household. In the Bible, we don't want to believe that there are children of Satan. But that's what John tells us. That there are children of Satan. Those are considered the unbelievers. Then there are those that are the children of God because they have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got these two families somewhat growing up together. Now, we're going to also hit the area that there's three things that you're going to battle against. You've got to battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Christian, the world, is always in competition, now catch this, with the kingdom of God. We are, according to Colossians, we are citizens of what? Of heaven, not the citizens of this world. The flesh, the flesh is something that always has to be dealt with. Because the flesh wants to be obedient to this world. The flesh wants to do what this world says do. The flesh wants to do what this world allows. And what the world allows, it also says that is right. Is right. You don't hear me speak much about abortion. Abortion is wrong. Why? The only way life prevails is because God has given it life. Now, the woman says this is her body. She didn't create her body. She did not create her 
body. And the only way you can deal with that, that that's her body, you have to exclude God. Because God made her to be an incubator for children. The man passes the seed on. The woman carries. But listen to this. The DNA is different. The DNA of the child in that womb is different than the mother's. And oftentimes, even the blood type is different. So that's not another person taking space temporarily in somebody else's body. God ordained that. That's why abortion is wrong. Because it's God ordained life living there within the life that he created a woman to be able to carry that child. And you have to fight against that, the flesh. So what does God give for us to fight the flesh? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And that's why it says the flesh and the Holy Spirit war what? War against one another. To bring us to a point, either you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, or you're going to be a citizen of this world. And then it says, the devil. What does God give to conquer the devil? His own son, Jesus. And what does he say to us about that? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in where? In this world. And we understand what scripture says. Satan is the God of this world, but he is not the God of the kingdom of heaven. He is not the God of the universe and all that has been created. And he says, boy, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to do something now. Go to Isaiah chapter 15. Go to verse 4. Ask yourself, is this happening to you? Has God ever woke you up in the morning before things get busy for you and him to have a talk? If that hasn't happened, give him permission to do so and see what happens. Look what he says. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed what? Tongue. An instructed, taught tongue that I can speak. Now, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the three essentials of the Holy Spirit. He is to convict me of sin and of righteousness and justice. He's going to give me a tongue of righteousness. Too many parents cannot even teach their children what is right. Anymore, we just want kids to stay out of prison, stay out of trouble. You can do anything you want to do, and we celebrate with them when they're wrong. Until we start telling our children, boys and girls, sex is wrong before marriage, 
we're going to have the problem just continue to get worse. And we don't celebrate when life comes wrongly. That does not mean the child is sinful. No! But I do not celebrate the sinful act that brought the child into being, in a sense. Can you follow me on that? It's the act. The child you love. The child you want to give all you can give to. But you do not want to celebrate in that which is wrong or sinful or against God's word. And as Christians, we're learning to celebrate all the wrong things. And we need to get back to understanding what is right. And what we need to be able to do is internalize that righteousness in here where we can say it to our children. And sometimes we will no longer talk to our children or our grandchildren that this is wrong, is wrong, is wrong. And you need to be able to say to them, it's wrong. Why? God has given you then and an instructed tongue that you can speak of righteousness. And he goes on, he says, to know the word that sustains what? The weary. He says he wants you to know the word. Why? He says he that is doing good in Galatians. Don't grow weary in doing good. Sometimes we stop doing good because we don't think it's doing any good. It's useless. I've said this a thousand times. You may have to say it 2,000 times. But if it's right, keep saying it. If it's right, keep saying it. Because the Holy Spirit is in here teaching you what to say to that individual and to that situation. And he says, boy, to sustain the weary, he wakens me morning by morning. Now catch this. He wakens me morning by by morning wakens my ear to listen like one being what? Taught. When's one of the best times that God's going to teach you when all other distractions are removed? And that sometimes is early morning. So sometimes at four in the morning I'm up reading. Sometimes four in the morning me and the Lord's up talking. Sometimes, boy, I don't go to bed until 2 or 3 in the morning because me and the Lord are talking or writing or doing something. What is it that you have that private time with you and God and he's instructing you and teaching you? Challenging you. Every man sees himself right in his own eyesight. We all think we're right in what we do. But as we get into scripture and we start communing with God and the Holy Spirit, what was once right is now wrong. Because we were following the righteousness of the world, not the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. And he teaches me. Now understand this. The only one who can really teach us is the Lord. Pastor Brown can't teach him. 
whatever I'm saying, if the Holy Spirit don't take it and convict you in your heart, then it means nothing. That's why I don't worry about who's in sanctuary, who's out of sanctuary, who's out of church, who's in church. God wants those who wants to hear in a certain place. Remember Mary and Martha? One was sitting at the feet of Jesus and the other one was in the kitchen. But who was Jesus teaching? The one at his feet. He didn't worry about them. You teach those that will what? Hear you. And want to be taught. Now, he says here, do that. Now go to Galatians 4, 6 with me. Again, ask that same question. Is this for the Christian or is this for the non-Christian? Galatians 4, verse 6. Because we have to discern that God's not treating everybody the same. He wants to, but those who don't believe don't want to hear from him. Those who don't believe don't want to be instructed by him. But those who say that they are Christians and believers, they want to know what this word says, that they could correct their life. You have to understand something. When we come to saving faith, we come to saving faith with all kind of knowledge from the world. That's why the scripture says, now let's renew your mind. Because you got one way of thinking, and God has a way he wants you to think. Now you have to train yourself. Either you're going to think like the Bible, you're going to think like God, you're going to have the mind of Christ, or you're going to have the mind of the world. And as Timothy says, you'll be taught by demons. And you got to choose which one you want to believe. In Galatians 4, 6, he simply says, put the lines down here, because you are sons, catch that first phrase, because you are sons, or because you're sons of God, he says, Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. Not everybody's heart. He sent the spirit where? Into the hearts of those who believed upon Jesus Christ. Not everybody. But the spirit is in the heart of those who believe in Jesus. Now, why don't Christians then really, really Act the way scripture says. You know, this thing called free will is hard to understand. It's difficult to understand. You have a freedom, but in your freedom, you are still limited. How many of you hate that? That you're free, but you're limited. Even though you live in the United States and you're a free people, you can't do everything you want to do. You just can't go down the street 120 miles an hour. You just can't go and do this and do that and run through every red light stop sign. You can't do that. You can't get on somebody else's property and just start digging. We have freedom, but freedom also always has its limitations. And that's the part we don't like is the limitations. Now, here he tells us, boy, 
He has sent us the Spirit. Now, what does the Christian do to hinder his own growth? I'll give you three things. One, don't believe. And that's again, we're going to study that further when we go back into convicting of sin because it's not just a conviction of the one sin of believing who Jesus Christ is, but it's also believing in what Jesus Christ has said. And we're still being convicted. Is this true or not? Is this true or not? In Sunday school, Melvin is talking about the officer who came and asked Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus told the man, you can go now, your son is healed. Now that man had to struggle with. Do I really believe him? And as he is heading back home, most likely, I believe, and Satan will come in and say, nobody can do that. But I believe Satan will come back again. And when you think you believe, Satan will always try to hinder you. Why? A double-minded man, the one who's back and forth doubting between faith of what they believe and what they don't believe, not really believing the Lord Jesus Christ, James says a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. Until you make up your mind, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. Even when it don't look like it's going to happen. You believe it. The second thing is this. This is only what the Christian can do. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve him. You can hurt him. That stops him from doing. Children can hurt their parents so much that the parents don't want to give what they had planned to give. Parents take a step back. Because they've been hurt by that one that they really love. And they kind of like withhold now rather than give freely like they were giving. But they've been grieved and they hold back. And then it says we can quench the Holy Spirit. What is the quenching? It's like taking water and throwing it on fire. Purposely putting it out. Have you ever talked to your child and you know that that child's not listening to you? And sometimes, boy, I used to tell my kids, look at me, because they'd be looking everywhere else. But I want you to understand what I'm saying. Look at me. But we're going to understand each other. And sometimes we quench the Holy Spirit. Why? We do this. Those are three ways in which Christians stunt their own growth. Because they won't believe, they grieve him, they quench him. Now, he says he sent the Holy Spirit into what? Into your heart. For what purpose? He's described as a teacher. He's described as a counselor. 
He is described as one who mediates for us. He's an advocate for us. And he says, again in that verse, it's because you are sons. It's because of your position in Christ that you are sons of the living God. And how many of us really believe that, that I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God? I'm not the one really responsible for me. He is responsible for me. He's responsible. And he'll take care of me. And he says, boy, because I'm a living son, God sent his spirit, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, or Daddy. And then Romans 8, it tells us, if you have not the spirit of Christ, you're what? You're none of his. If you have not the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. Now, go over to 1 John 1, 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we what? We lie. Now, you got to determine, who's lying? Some of my grandkids are lying. But they're not walking where? In the light. Who has to own up to that? I do. If my children are not walking in the light, but walking in darkness, I got to own up to that. And then what's my responsibility? I've been instructed. I have an instructed tongue that I can speak righteousness into their life. Now, whether they adhere to it at that moment, I don't know. But I continue to do what? Speak righteousness into their life. And allow the Holy Spirit then to do the work. Never go and try to put a guilt trip on your child. Speak the truth to them. But let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Speak truth. Let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Because unless the Holy Spirit convicts, I don't care who you are or what you are to that child or to that person really means nothing. It goes in one ear and right out the other. But when the Holy Spirit convicts, then I have to wrestle with it on the inside. But first I have to be willing to hear what? Truth. Why? Faith cometh by what? Hearing. Hearing what? The truth of God's word. I got to speak it into their life. I got to speak it into their life. God's word. And he allows us to know because see, God says if we claim to have fellowship with him, not that we claim to know him, we need to get that picture right too. There's a difference between knowing him and having broken fellowship with him. My dad knew that my brother was locked up in Medina. 
He got locked up because he was with two other young men. He was driving the car, and they went in and robbed the gas station while he was pumping the gas in the car. And about a block from the gas station, they all got picked up, and he's in Medina, locked up. Got a call at home. We have your son. They told what happened. Right away, mom wanted to go out right now and get him. Dad said, it won't hurt for him to sit there a week or so. They'll, they'll feed him. We know where he's at. You know, they'll take care of him. You know, but my mom worried my dad so much about going to get her child. Okay. And dad wouldn't work. Okay. Broken fellowship. Broken fellowship. It's like broken friendship. Have you ever had a friend that you really counted on and you entrusted them with something and whatever, but that was broken? You still are friends, but it's not like what? Like it was before. When we're out of fellowship with God, the relationship is not the same. The relationship is not the same. And that's why God says, you can't say you're in fellowship with me and you're in darkness and I dwell in the light. And we've got to get that straight. As Christians, we've got to understand that because that's what hurts us. That stunts our growth. That stunts what we are to be in Christ. He wants us in fellowship, constant fellowship, communication with him. Not just when I'm in trouble, but a continuous communication and seeing me transformed, seeing me being renewed, seeing me thinking differently, seeing me speaking differently, seeing me walk differently, seeing new friends in my life, something totally different that was not there before. We have to understand that. That God loves us, but he will not tolerate us sinning. How many of you, I'm sitting in juvenile court with a family. The two girls jumped on the mother about washing dishes. And the police came, took the two girls out. They was in high school. And we're over on Dan Street in court. And I'm sitting behind the parents. And the judge is saying to the parents, if they don't want to do dishes, you can't make them do it. If they're out after 12 o'clock, you can't lock your doors and lock them out. That's where they reside at. That's where they live at. I'm hearing all this stuff, and I leaned over to the father, and I said, tell the judge you allow him to make them the ward of the state. When those parents said that to the judge, everything changed. <laughs> Because I'm not going to be a parent and not lock my doors when I go to bed because you won't come home at the time I told you to come home. 
And first of all, you're not going to jump on your mom. There's going to be consequences behind that. See? They, they ought to be glad they saw the police rather than Stuart Calhoun. And, and, and the whole process boils down to that. He's in the light. We're in darkness. And when we're in darkness, even though we're saved, we're over here doing all the wrong things. We have broken fellowship with him. Just like we do with parents. We have a broken relationship. Just like we are with friends. We have a broken relationship. When you are not chasing after God and you're chasing after the world, you have a broken relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be two. It cannot be two. Sometime Elaine and I will sit and we watch, what, what is that thing called? Sister what? Where the man has two or three wives? And how dumb that is. Are you going to allow Mark to bring another woman in? Would you allow your husband to bring another woman in? You, you love him. Don't you love him? And see, that's God. That's God. You're either with me, loving me, or you're not. I'm not going to accept you and all the other junk you want to bring in. And the Lord says, if you want to be in darkness, now yes, you're my child. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to try to woo you. But we have broken what? relationships right now. And he says, if you say you're in fellowship with me while you're in the dark, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. Now, he he doesn't deal with the world that way, but he does deal with who? The believer that way. And the only reason you accept somebody back in after a broken relationship or something being broken is because you really care about them. But there's been something that's changed also in their life. One more, and then we're done for the day. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. You can look at the others. 4 and verse 30. Look what he says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were what? Sealed. Now, you're still sealed, even though you may what? Grieve him. The seal is the guarantee that you are the child of God. It's the guarantee that you are going to go to heaven. But Corinthians 3 also tells us, some people come into heaven just like if they were on fire. You could smell the stench of smoke. They just make it. They have no, they have no rewards. They have nothing. They just made it there. I hope you want more than that, of just making it in. I hope you want more, that you really want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you realize you are really loved by him. 
that you are precious in his sight and that he wants to build you. He wants to make you into something that you can't even dream about. So many of our young girls and young men have low self-esteem based on one fact. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ who they really identify with. And when that happens, you find the one who will love you greater than anybody else. No man can love you like Jesus. No woman can love you like Jesus. Father, would you just take your word and would you continue to just speak to us even as we leave today? Would you minister to us that we might have understanding? We are treated different because we are believers. All are not treated in this fashion. Everybody's not treated like we're treated because we are sons and daughters of the living God. Help us, Lord, to dig deeply into your word, to understand more and more of who you are and who I am and the relationship that we have because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Allow your Holy Spirit to teach us, to minister to us, to convict us and to show us righteousness and to bring us to that point to understand that we will be judged for every word and every act. Lord, help us, O oh God, to rid ourselves of self and be totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. Minister to us, I pray. Do only what you can do in the life of the person. And that is to bring them, Lord, into that communion with you that you desire. And Lord, as I pray, and has been my prayer for the last couple of weeks, give me a deeper love for you. May every one of us pray that way. Lord, give me a deeper love. Give me a love for you that comes from you, not from me. Lord, let me embrace you wholeheartedly. Let me not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let me not be ashamed of who I am as a Christian or as a person. But, oh God, may your Holy Spirit teach me who I am in Christ. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.
Father, we do forever give you praise. 